Welcome to Training Unleashed, the show that will help you design and deliver training that's off the chain and will make a difference. Now, here's your host, Evan Hackle. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another exciting episode of Training Unleashed. And we are, of course, very proud members of the C-Suite Network. Uh, today's going to be a really great show, particularly if you ever thought about writing a book. And we're going to talk about writing a book, but we're also going to talk about why you should write a book. So if you haven't thought about writing a book, this might be a good opportunity for you to think about that. Our guest, Patricia, or I like to call her Pat, Iyer, uh, is the principal of Patricia Iyer, what's the, is it company? It's the Pat Iyer Group, yes. Oh, the Pat, okay, group. Mm-hmm. And she, she has worked on over, she's worked on 49 books, maybe it's 50 now. Uh, she's worked as a ghostwriter, she's worked as, a, as an editor, and she's the type of people, people that help you write a book. I've written myself two books and um, never had the, the pleasure, didn't know Pat then, but definitely worked with a ghostwriter, and it makes just tremendous sense to work with people that actually know what they're doing uh, because to write a book and you don't know what you're doing is a daunting, daunting task. Uh, but writing books are exciting. They're, it's, it's an interesting thing to get down some unique ideas, something you want to share in the world, uh, and make a difference with, and it's a lasting legacy. But uh, Pat, you're our expert. But let's just start off with the first question. Why do people want to write books? There are lots of motivations, Evan. There's the desire to show your knowledge, to establish your authority and credibility. It's opening up opportunities that exist within your environment. It's because also you're passionately interested in a subject. And you want to go deeper. You want to learn more about that subject. Some people write books because they want to change people's lives or establish themselves as thought leaders or share their knowledge with people who otherwise would never get to know them. Yeah. I, I think that, that is beautiful. It's like a legacy. It, 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 really, it really is. Um, I'll correct you. It's not like a legacy. It is a legacy. You know, thank you. That's an interesting thing. And you know, it's interesting. I think that it's easy for someone who is, let's say, a consultant or somebody to say, okay, I want to I write a book because they see it as it's going to get me business or going to bring me business. Um, but I think that there's a lot more, from, in my point of view, about writing books that go beyond just simply the crafts, I want to get more business. It is that I have something to share. I have something. And I, I, when I wrote my first book, it was really because of my children. I wanted my children, my grandchildren to have a way to know me by them, you know, reading and learning about me through my, through my book, now books. Um, I've also had, in my training partners, I've had trainers, and most of our audience are trainers, I've had trainers write their own books uh, because they've had something that they wanted to say. And I think it certainly adds value and credibility to everybody. Um, so let me, I'm going to ask you a tough question now. Uh, a lot of people want to write a book. Some of those people do, and some of those people don't. 
So why is it that someone who wants to write a book isn't able to, and what is the difference between those that want to write a book that do and those that don't want to write a book that don't? I did some research on this subject. When I asked people what were their biggest fears and frustrations and challenges regarding writing a book, self-confidence came up a lot. Do I have anything worthwhile to say was something that I heard. What if it's no good? What if nobody reads it once I've written it? Maybe it's going to take me more time than I can commit. It seems daunting to write a book. It's a lot of effort. There are people who look at those fears and frustrations and they say, but I really want to share and I will overcome them. I will chip away at this. People who have looked at my stack of books say, oh, you wrote all these books? And I said, yeah, and I didn't write them in a weekend. It takes a persistent, consistent effort to create a book. Um, I do know people who sit down in a hotel and literally write a book in a weekend, but they've done weeks of preparation to get to the point where they've got everything laid out. They have their outlines. They know where they're headed. For most people, it's a process of allocating a little bit of time every day with a well-defined outline to accomplish it. So to summarize what I, I just said, it, it's self-confidence, it's belief that you have something worthwhile, it's being persistent, it's not giving up because there are challenges with writing a book and some people hit blocks and have to walk away from it and kind of circle back in a different direction. But when you're motivated to share what you know to help other people, then those challenges disappear. So I'm going to summarize your summary in a different way. When your vision or passion for the book outweighs your fear. That's great. I like that. And and I want to just speak into for just a second the people that sit there and say, but I can't write. I am severely dyslexic. I mean, not a little, a lot. And writing is something that has never, ever in my life come easy to me. Major, major stumbling block. But because I was really able to work with somebody that could capture the essence, the book is totally mine, totally mine but I had a professional help me. I had a professional guide me, and it makes a big difference. Can you just take a moment here and share the process of someone sitting here and saying, hey, I'd like to write a book. Uh, and let's just say for the, the moment that they have the idea, and but they don't know how to go about it, and they want to, let's just say, work with you or somebody like you. What's the process? How does it work? It works by having a discussion between the author and the ghostwriter about the vision of the book, the ideal reader, who is the person you're writing the book for, creating an outline of chapters, and then outlining each chapter. It's so much easier to write when you have a clearly defined roadmap of what you want to include. My first book I co-authored with two other people, and it came from when I was in a training position. I was in charge of staff development for a large acute care hospital in Trenton, New Jersey. 
I teamed up with two other educators from two different hospitals because we all had a common responsibility to teach the nurses a particular concept in nursing, which was new at that time, which was how you use nursing language to define the patient's problems. We created a self-learning module. If people in the training have been in listening to this, have been in the field for long enough, they they recognize that term from the 1980s. It was essentially what we would call a workbook now. Yeah. It was something we were very proud of, and it split the work between the three of us in terms of creating it. We used it to teach in our hospitals. And then we said, this is great. We'll just get it published. We'll go to a regular big nursing publisher, and I'm sure they'll want to publish it. The first publisher said, this is a great workbook, but it needs to be turned into a textbook. We said, that's too much work. We went to a second publisher who said, this is a great workbook, but it needs to be turned into a textbook. Then we can sell it in schools of nursing. So at that point, we listened and we turned it into a textbook. So Maybe working with a ghostwriter is the answer for you. Making, maybe it's finding another person in your company who you have a, a good working relationship with and co-authoring a book. It is so much easier to get a project done when you have another mind involved. And I should say, Evan, it should be a person that you enjoy working with, you have a strong relationship with, because it's, it's almost like a marriage for the time that you are together working on this project. You'll have a lot of hours together. You have to communicate well with each other, return each other's phone calls. You might be able to tell from the subtext that one of my co-authors was not exactly the ideal person to work with. <laughs> and I didn't discover it until we had gotten too far involved in a couple of projects. You know, sometimes things work out really well. Occasionally, they don't. So you learn from those experiences, and then you choose differently in the future. So a ghostwriter, uh, a co-author, maybe more than one co-author, helps to solve the problem. Another model that really works well when you're in a training environment is to put together a compilation book where you have people adding chapters to your book, and you, you may be the coordinator or the editor, but you're not responsible for creating all that content. I have been the, uh, the editor of several books like that, and they are such strong books because they represent people with diverse levels of expertise that I in no way could have replicated myself. Interested in Tortle's learning management system? Why not try it for free today? Tortle is offering a free LMS for up to 25 users. With Tortle's easy-to-use self-authoring tool and free quick start guide, you'll have courses up in no time. Sign up today and you'll experience one of the easiest-to-use LMSs in the marketplace today. To learn more, visit tortle.com forward slash LMS. Let's talk about the idea. Um... I know for myself, when I wrote the book, I probably came up with about 15 ideas before I came up with the idea that I ended up choosing. Um, how does one come up with an idea and how does one validate whether the idea is worth developing? 
The idea should be something that you're deeply interested in. You are going to live with that concept for a long, long time. If that book is successful, there might be second, third, fourth editions, more editions. I think one of the best places to do some research is to go on Amazon and put in the keywords on the topic that you want to write about and find out if other people are writing about that topic. Is it something that the market is interested in? So if it's good, if a lot of people are writing on it, as opposed to it's good, no one else is writing on it, so I should write about it? Unless you have a unique angle. If you've got a tiny niche, if you're interested, oh, I'm thinking of an example that would apply to trainers, as something really ludicrous, like is it better to put people in a classroom with desks or long tables, something that is so limited that very few people care about it, then you don't have a marketable idea. If, on the other hand, lots of people are writing on that topic, then you have to ask yourself, how is that subject that I want to write about different, better than, or fills in the gaps for other books? Amazon has this wonderful feature called Look Inside where you can examine the table of contents and sometimes sample chapters to get a sense of what the competitors are writing about. And after you do that study, then I recommend when you've, once you've narrowed the topic down is that you do some simple market research, which is asking people who are your ideal reader what do you want to learn about this topic? When you have the answers to that question from a variety of people, then you have the opportunity to narrow down your topic, to develop your outlines, to get the feedback that you need in order to be able to proceed. But because it is a significant investment of time, I think doing that upfront research is essential. Otherwise, you can end up writing about a topic that nobody cares about, and then you feel cheated because you've just invested so many months of your life in something and you haven't gotten a return. I think those are excellent points. And I just, just want to share from my personal perspective, uh, I am severely dyslexic, and one of the things I learned about myself is that if I tried to write a perfect paper, a perfect email, a perfect anything, it would be almost impossible and every sentence would be incredibly painful. So what I did is I wrote book outlines, which simply were chapters and sub chapters of books. And I just threw it onto the page without much evaluation and just said, I'm just going to let my mind for lack of a better term, throw up. And then I can go back and I can check it. And that, so from these outlines is when I started to really keep moving until I got to the book that I thought I really wanted to write. And then I started asking people and checking out Amazon and other things of that nature. Um, I went to the books. I went to Barnes Noble, looked at other books, things like that, everything you were suggesting. But I think one of the biggest issues is, you know, if you have to write the perfect book from the first word, you're really in trouble. And uh, that process of just putting out ideas and, and not overly judging it and then working on it. 
Uh, I, I don't know. Other people do that. Or am I the only one? <clears throat> no, they do. In fact, I recommend when you're outlining a chapter is you throw out, I like to call it brain dump rather than throw up. That's, a, that's, that's the nurse in me. That's, that's a better term. I go <laughs> with that. That's a better term. Yeah, I've dealt with more vomit in my life than you ever want to even think about. So if you do a brain dump, then you throw out maybe 15 points that you want to make in a chapter, and then you choose the top 10. You, you know that some of those pieces are going to be the chaff, and some of them are going to be the wheat. And you want to focus on narrowing it down to include only the most valuable information. It may be that those pieces that you don't think are important in that chapter would fit somewhere else. But I, I do recommend that brain dump process to help you in the beginning without any filters, without any judgments of, is this point good or not? Just unload and then you'll also be adding to it as you do more reading or if the book is the kind that lends itself to doing some research or building in outside sources and citations, other people who've written on the topic then will suggest to you through reading what they've written what additional points you should put into the book. Yeah, that's a great idea. So... Publishing today is totally different than when we were young. I mean, completely different. And maybe just sort of quickly give people an overview of how one gets a book published and the difference between self-publishing and, and, be, and being published and what people should expect. There are three choices now. There used to be only two. The, the two prior choices were paying a publisher, to publish your book, or going to a traditional publisher and giving up 90 to 92% of the price of the book in the form of royalties that the publisher would give you. So the publisher will give you maybe 8 to 10%, maybe 12% if you're an established author with them, but otherwise they keep the rest for production. When the self-publishing world began, it caused a huge uproar in the traditional publishers. They were the only game in town. When I say going to a publisher as one of the choices, those are the vanity presses who still exist today. Sometimes they're called hybrid publishers. They are designed to take your money, sometimes in ways that you don't expect. Sometimes the contracts are difficult to read and there are clauses hidden in them that have a financial impact on you. should never sign a contract without an attorney looking at it, just as a footnote. The hybrid publishers were designed to create you know, 100 copies of the book. Trucks would pull up to people's homes and they would offload pallets of books into people's garages, basements, bathrooms, living rooms. It was a real nightmare for many people who didn't think through what it meant to commit to buying a specific number of books. When self-publishing became available, then it gave people who don't want to go through the traditional publishing route a choice. I was in a phone call just this afternoon with a woman who asked me, 
what does it take to have a book accepted by a traditional publisher? And my response was, you need to have a platform, which means in marketing terms, you have to have a certain number of followers, you have to have a way to convince the publisher that you can sell books. If you are writing a textbook, for example, as I did when I first started my writing career back in 1986, there's a ready market. There are students every year who need books. And while they're not necessarily buying physical books anymore, which I have discovered in, in talking to college kids and being involved in publishing, they may be renting a book, a digital copy of a book, which costs them far more in some cases than buying the book. And they only may rent a chapter or two. But the traditional publishers, if you're not writing a textbook, really all, the only thing that they primarily care about is, are you going to be able to sell books for them through your presence in the marketplace? When you submit a traditional publisher's book proposal, the first thing that they read is the author's platform. Then secondly, they'll look at the description of the book. They know that the odds are against them that that book is going to make money because only a small fraction of all books the publishers take in actually make money. We are not all Michelle Obamas who have written a beautiful book that has sold millions of copies and has made that publishing company extraordinarily happy, whoever had the wisdom to get that contract from her. But a traditional publisher then has been pushed to one side, although still a viable option, in, in the sake of being able to have another choice for authors, which is the self-publishing. Very easy to do because Amazon is in the business of selling books. You probably remember, Evan, when they started as an online bookstore before they added oh, yeah. tablecloths and dresses and shoes and electronics and you know the whole assortment of products. They, are, they used to have a division called CreateSpace, which has been changed over to Kindle Direct Publishing, which merges the print CreateSpace and Kindle, which is the electronic ebook version. But when people hear Kindle Direct Publishing, sometimes they think, oh, I don't want a Kindle book, I want a physical book. But both of those branches of the company are in one house now. And because they want to sell books, Amazon has made that whole process of uploading the book easy. Uh, they provide templates for people. You can hire somebody, as I do, to lay out the book using Adobe InDesign and make it look pretty. Some people don't want to go through that process. They, they want to do it as inexpensively as possible. So they uh, take the template and put their Word document in the template and upload it. It's easy to indicate uh, the keywords, write the description, choose the categories, price the book, and off it goes. And they'll, they'll after, even design a cover. Yes, you can upload your cover. Sometimes there's, there's options for cover design there as well. Uh, and within one day, after they've done a quality check, and you have the chance to approve that, physical book. You can have the book shipped to you if you want a physical book or you can approve it online and then it's available for people to buy. It's it's just a beautiful system. Yeah. 
It's, it's amazing. And there are lots and lots of options. And to some of them, it has to do with how many books you think you're really going to sell. So I'm you know, a professional speaker, and I know that I'm going to sell a certain number of books to my audience. Uh, I do not, you know, I have 10,000 Twitter followers, and I have maybe 7,000 people on LinkedIn. It's, it's not a big crowd. Um, so my, the people buy my books are people that attend my presentations generally. And, and then sometimes they'll buy, I have a lot of people buy my book and then they'll buy a bunch for everyone in the office. Mm -hmm. I, I'm never going to be somebody, I think that a, a traditional publisher is going to go, Oh my God, I've got to have Evan's book. Um, but in time I still sell a fair number of books. Um, but if you're just, if you're not, if you don't have a platform, uh, the self-publishing option is really not a bad option because your costs are so little. Uh, and then who knows, you can write a great book and could take off. But what is the realistic expectation of how many books one would sell? And I know that's a terribly open-ended question. Oh, yes, it is an open-ended question. Just to go back to the cost. It may cost you only between 2 and $4 per copy for your book, which you can price at 15 or $20. Um, my books are priced at close to $30 because some of them I write for legal nurse consultants. Some of them I write for authors. You make a far more money per book when you self-publish than you do with a traditional publisher. Uh, I think the statistics, and they're horrifying, actually, if you are an author. I think there's something like the average book sells, I think it's 500 copies. And... But that also is the average. So you've got some books that are selling very little and some books that are selling millions of copies. You can get a sense by going on Amazon, by the way, to look at the book's rank on the site compared to all the other books that Amazon sells and then the ranking within categories. But Amazon will not tell you on that book description page how many copies of a particular book have been sold. Nor will they tell the author who's bought the book. You have to be able to sell it yourself in order to be able to capture names and email addresses. Yeah, very interesting. Uh, so you wrote your book. You're proud of it. And now you want to market it. Uh, what are the techniques people use to get the word out? Many people put together a launch team. They consist of people who like them and are trustworthy. They could be family members. They could be friends. They could be colleagues. We have an amazing ability to tap into other people's networks now. You've, you're connected to 7,000 people on LinkedIn. You said 10,000 people on Twitter. If I said to you, Evan, would you put a message on your social media platforms about my book, you would be reaching people who I could never reach, who are not part of my network. And you multiply that by seven or eight people on the launch team who are all getting the word out in different ways to their own platforms. It, it's tremendous how you can multiply the number of people who hear about the book. Uh, some people say, the hardest work is not writing the book, but it's marketing the book. 
because you breathe a sigh of relief when the book is done and say, well, this is just going to sell itself. I'll put it on Amazon. People will find it and they'll order it. And sometimes it happens that way. But most of the time, authors are continually promoting their books in blogs, in emails, in the footnote um, the, of their email itself, their signature line. They have it on their website. They bring it up in podcasts. They talk about it. They're continually getting it in front of people. And that, in the long run, is the only thing that is really effective in selling a book. It's not just bringing it out and then think that it's going to toddle away on its own two legs. It still needs to be pushed in the stroller. Yeah. Well, one of the suggestions I would give to people is to look for podcasts. You know, if someone wrote a book on training and they said to me they'd like to be on the show and they sent me a copy of their book, if I thought the book was good, I would put them on the show. Um, and I, and it, it, regardless of what kind of book, you know, look for podcasts, look for, for avenues that uh, you can reach people. Both you and I are a member of the C-suite. I'm a proud member of the C-suite network. Uh, and they have a C-suite book club where they help promote people with books and get you know, their business books. Uh, but there, there are a lot, there's lots and lots of networking which is why people need someone like Pat to help them, you know, kind of go through that maze of what you need to do. Uh, because there's a real, there's real learning. Uh, but before we come to the end here, the, if we had to have a message, I think the message is, it's not as hard to write a book today as it was 20 years ago. If you take the time and you work with the right people, it's not that difficult to write a book. And that you can become a, a publisher, uh, fairly a publisher, not a publisher. Rather. You can be a published author fairly easily. And if you do, it definitely adds to credibility. Uh, it it adds uh, to your notoriety, uh, and it can make a difference in your career, no matter what kind of career you have. And this is something that uh, I, I hope everyone listening by now is like, maybe maybe this is something I should do. Mm -hmm. So someone's on the, someone's on the fence, Pat. What what do you recommend? You know, there's a lot of knowledge trapped in people's heads. You probably have heard the statistic that 81 percent of Americans think that they have a book in them, but a very small percentage of people actually carry out that ambition. Uh, I have never regretted any of the books that I've written. They have opened doors for me and given me opportunities to speak around the world, to have my own business, to have people recognize my name. But what if I had never written any of them? I would just be somebody people wouldn't know. And what about the people that you can help with your knowledge? I come back to that, and I know I've said that a couple of times, it's partly my healthcare background because I'm wired to want to help people. I think trainers are wired to want to help people. You want them to be successful in their jobs. You want them to help the company. You want them to be content. You want them to be satisfied and not leave the company and cause another turnover, retention, productivity issue. When you think about all of those motivations, then writing a book to help other people is just a natural part of how you're wired. 
it's sort of going back to creating that big vision, right, of what you want to accomplish, the impact that you want to have in the world. Okay, um, I'm now all excited. I want to work with you. Tell us about your website and tell us about your free offers. My website is patier.com. That's P-A-T-I-Y-E-R.com. I have a couple of opt-ins on that website, a couple of free reports. There's also a contact form that you can fill in so that we can have a phone call and talk about your idea and just do some brainstorming. What a good idea because Pat would be an amazing resource. She's worked with many people that have a book in them but don't know how to get the book out of them. Um, so Pat, I always end the show with, if you had one tip to share, what would that one tip be? Don't give up your dream. If you have decided that writing a book is important to you, then make it a priority in your life. Sometimes there are people in our lives who say things like, oh, you can't do that, or you'll never succeed, or that's a waste of time. Uh, you may have known a few people like that, Evan, who are negative at some point in their lives or been around negative people. And I would say don't let them win because you're the only one who can do this, of course, with help, but it's your book, it's your vision, it's your opportunity to make a contribution. And you never know what will happen to your life as a result of writing that book. I love that. Yeah, it's, uh, it's true. You will run up, run into people that are very negative about your writing book. And uh, I just look at it as it's their issue. It's, mm. their, it's their lack of self-confidence. It's like if you write a book, that means something because they couldn't write a book. Uh, and I'm, I'm a big believer in abundance and writing a book is a gift like, like you've described. Uh, we are out of time. Pat, you've been an amazing guest. I, on behalf of the C-Suite Network and Training Unleashed, want to thank all of our listeners for listening and, Pat, for you being such a great guest. And um, everyone have a great day. This has been Training Unleashed, but it doesn't stop here. Just go to trainingunleashed.net to subscribe to the show. That way, you'll never miss an episode, and you'll be well on your way to delivering training programs that are off the chain. We'll talk to you next time on Training Unleashed. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com. <laughs>